Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live from the CNN Weather Center somewhere between New Orleans, Louisiana, and the Jersey Shore. I'm your old pal, Sanders. I'm your good buddy, Liv. And if you're keeping score at home, this is episode 64, Damn. the Charles Dickens edition. 64. It's uh, the tale of two cities, I guess, today, huh, Livy? Because it is beautiful here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been kind of dreary, rainy since yesterday, which is kind of disappointing because they had the French Quarter Fest going on, which theoretically I was going down there for, ostensibly gone down there yesterday. Um, I guess I'll just get into it, you know. Yeah, what's the French Quarter Fest? Uh, you know, it was, hell, it was probably started like 30 years ago now. It was kind of like supposed to be a a festival, you know, so people could come to the French Quarter, kind of for locals, but of course, any festival in New Orleans eventually becomes a festival for tourists. Because uh, <laughs> everybody finds out about it and they start coming here, you know? And there, I always get the impression that uh, thirty a thirty year festival for New Orleans is basically like in its infancy, you know. I guess compared to you know Mardi Gras and yeah. J- Jazz Fest, which and Jazz these, Fest is like forty something years now. They're like institutions, you yeah. know, and, and they're global um, events. So I'd imagine that. Uh, you know, a couple of locals get together, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or the, you know, French Quarter Association, and they're like, "Hey, let's let's just do something and let's make it, um, you know, for locals." But like, that's the cool thing to do, you know. If you're yeah. a hipster in Brooklyn, or you know, you're from, you know, well, that's from one it... of the hoity-toity areas of Boston. Like, hey, let's come down and and see what the locals do. Let's mix it up with the with the kinfolk. Yeah, that's that's kind of what. It started out as it was like a reason to get people to come down to the quarter, you know, locals and stuff who might not, you know, necessarily always be hanging out down there. Because for the most part, locals kind of stay away from the quarter. Yeah, I mean, there's reasons to go down there. But but like if you don't feel like – like for me during the summertime, um, if I didn't live in Asbury, I wouldn't head to Asbury. And because I live in Asbury – um, I don't go to places like Seaside. I don't yeah, go to places yeah. like Belmar um, because it's tourists and it's, you know, extra work and extra traffic and, you know, everything's a little more expensive. So I kind of stay away from those areas. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff to do down there. I like, I, I much prefer going down to the quarter during the day. The nighttime scene, though, ugh. you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of over that. Yeah. But, uh. So this weekend was the French Quarter Fest, which keeps every year it gets bigger and bigger, you know. So, so is it like a music? Thing yeah, and, they have an art. They thing? have stages all over, all parts of the quarter, you know, up on Waldenburg Park, which is the river front right there, you know, the old U.S. Mint. Every part of the quarter, you know, has stages somewhere around, you know, Jackson Square, and then there's lots of food vendors, you know, there's all kind. Of, that was one thing I was looking forward to, but I didn't even get to do any of that, you know? But, like, the thing is, every year it keeps getting bigger. It's like they're putting stages where there weren't stages before. So yesterday, um, I got down there probably around 3.30 or so, because uh, I'd gone to some crawfish boil before. Uh, this is probably like four something that I actually was walking down into the quarter. Um, and I was walking along the street and I got on a sidewalk and then I was in a mass of people cause now they had a stage here, like in the street and all these people were just crammed on the sidewalk, you know, and I was trying to get in touch with Anderson cause I'd spoken to him, exchanged texts with him in the morning. Cause I'm like, I guess I got to hang out with the kid, you know? <laughs> uh, for uh, for those who aren't in the know, that is Sandwich, Massachusetts' own. Yes, Mike Anderson. So Mike Anderson, who or Ando? Yes, Ando, as he's affectionately known. Who, uh, you know, politely speaking, he is, he could politely dis- be described as a mess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would not even. I would not even. Um, I think politely is 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 
is a good way to say, but I would also say affectionately known as a mess. Yes, yes. Ando is, he's a handful, you know? And, it, and it's intense Ando time, you know? But he's a great <laughs> kid, great guy. He's just, got, he's just got his issues, and he knows he has his issues. He's like, um, he's not like an Italian sports car that goes like zero to 60, um, but can only maintain that pace for a short amount of time. He's like a like a, a V8 Crown Vic, mm-hmm. you know, and he gets up to speed relatively quickly for a, you know, for a street car, but he can maintain that pace for, for a good amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's friggin... He's, he's a commitment. He's, it's a commitment. Yes. So he had told me months ago, a few months ago, that he was going to be down here because uh, Adam Zanelli, a.k.a. Z-Man, is getting married in July, and they were going to do the bachelor party for him down here. And, uh, I mean, you've met Zanelli before. He's a sandwich guy. And also uh, Tedeschi, I don't even know his first name. I don't think he has one. I think it's T. Yes, and they just call him T for Tedeschi. And so it was those guys, and there was a couple other people, you know, like uh, not sandwich guys, you know. There was this one guy who was friends with them, you know, who works with these guys or something, you know. And then some guy who's, like, significantly older than me who works, who knows those guys from, he's like a builder up there in Nantucket or whatever, you know, because – Z is a, uh, he does, he paints houses in Nantucket, you know. Okay. He actually lives, like, around the corner from John and Reg now, you know. Oh, okay. He bought a house in that neighborhood, but he, but he spends, like, half his time on Nantucket, you know, because it's Nantucket, you got to be rich to buy a house there, so. Right, right. But that's why he paints houses there, because it's rich people, they drop the money, and it's fine. It's the only place he wants to paint houses, he said. Okay. So they had this other guy with them who's, you know, probably at least 10 years older than me, who oddly enough is a New Orleans native. You know, he he grew up here and everything, and somehow he's friends with these guys. So he was with them or hanging out with them. But uh, so I get down there and I exchanged texts with Anderson Warren because I was like, I got to get in touch with the kid. I'm going to have to hang out with him at least one day. Thursday, I just didn't have time. Friday, I didn't. I had other stuff to do, you know? So I was like, this is fine anyway. French Quarter Fest is gone this weekend. As much as I hate going to French Quarter, at least I have a reason to go down there because I like French Quarter Fest, you know? Okay. So I got down there around four something, you know, and of course he's not responding to text. And if you know Anderson, he's a friggin', he's absent-minded. So it's like, <laughs> well, his phone's probably dead, you know? <laughs> okay. And of course it was dead. Right. You know, right. I got in touch with Brian you know, and uh, I asked Brian to send me T and Z's uh, friggin' cell phone numbers, and he sent that to me. And then, you know, uh, and I spoke to Brian for a little bit, you know, before not, I met up with those guys. Not to cut you off, but um, is beep is this? Is this not on BP's radar? Is he not as tight with those guys, or is it just that? He made it known that he doesn't come to New Orleans, so he's not going to come to New Orleans. <laughs> I think it might be A, but I'm going to say it's B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I know... it, was a real, it wasn't a huge bachelor party, you know? Because I know those guys, and I know those names, yeah. but they're not like the tip of the tongue um, BP crew that I, you know, that I kind of associate with yeah, him, yeah. you know, Creedon and, and Scribner. Well, that's and, the thing. This is the those issue. Guys. Those guys grew up in a small town. So by default, your friends are everybody you graduate high school with, it seems to me. Right, right. The people that you're actually close enough that you go to a bachelor party is different. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. But you yeah. know what it's like. But you know what I'm saying. Like, basically, everybody that graduates Sandwich in 1994 hangs out with them. Every guy is is at the Hollyhog. It costs you nothing to show up at a free barbecue, but are you going to put out the money to spend 4 days in New Orleans yeah. with this guy? Yeah. And that that's where the line is. Well, okay. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. They all hang out, but there's subsets within, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh I mean, and I know Brian's friends with these guys. He's friends enough with them to have their contact information, you know, and Fleet I I mean, 
I hung out with these guys in Boston once years ago because Ben was hanging out with me, you know? Okay. So it's an evolving thing, but I just don't think it was on Brian's radar anyway. I mean, it, and it appeared there was only like maybe six or seven guys on this bachelor party trip anyway, you know? So it wasn't huge. Yeah. There was uh, another guy from Sandwich there. What was his name? Ted Cristiano. You know, they're apparently the Cristianos are San, are Peter uh, Reg Reg friends. You know, apparently. Yeah, name sounds familiar. Yes, yes. Uh, but I don't know what happened to that guys. But finally, I got in touch with those guys. You know, I sent them a text. But while I was so as I come down sidewalk, which I thought I was just going to be able to walk down sidewalk, hop into a store and get a drink. All of a sudden, it's a crush of people because they had a stage set up in the street. Because like I'm telling you, every year it gets bigger and bigger. You know, and they keep adding new little venues, you know. Uh, but fortunately, because at this point I couldn't get in touch with those guys, with Anderson, because his phone was dead. Uh, I, I just by chance ran into some friends of mine from here while we were in a massive crowd, you know. And they were like, oh, we're going to Old Absinthe House. I was like, all right, good. It gives me a place to go in case I never meet with these guys. But in that time, I get the information from Brian. I text him. I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm heading to the old absinthe house, blah, blah, blah. You know, but before I even get down there, you know, I was walking down Bourbon Street and I just happened to run to those guys on the street. You know, uh, I ran into Z-Man and those guys hanging outside of a bar. So I meet up with those guys and this is like 430 and Anderson's already fucked up. <laughs> you know, and he's got that wild eye. Yes. And those guys. Like, he had sent me this video of him from the night before dancing shirtless in a bar. You know, he was wearing swim trunks because he didn't bring shorts down here because apparently he thought <laughs> weather would be cold or so. I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't bring shorts to New Orleans in April. But Because uh, <laughs> so he, he's Ando. So the night before, apparently, he was wearing swim trunks because he didn't have shorts. Uh so I ran into those guys. Yeah, Fernando. And, and everybody knows. You know, those guys all know. Ando's a mess. You know, you got to watch out for them. You know, they were telling me how they had all, like the night before, they, they had almost gotten a couple of fights. You know, because Anderson's drunk and obnoxious and crazy. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so. Not, nece- not necessarily in that order. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I was like, well, let me walk down to old absence and they came with me and then we were in there for like two minutes talking to people I know. And they're like, come on, let's go. And ended up going to some strip club hustlers, barely legal. <laughs> that's where the bachelor wanted to go. This is like five o'clock, five 15. We're in a okay. strip club, you know, sun, sun is still out. Yeah. Well, it was raining at this point. So you need to be inside somewhere, but still right. I hate strip clubs, man. Right. I really do. And I think even those guys really didn't like strip clubs. So, But eventually you left there, you know, like an hour later or something. And they went into one bar. I was like, all right, this is where y'all are. All right, I'm going to go. I know where y'all are. I'm going to go and, and see my friends. So I went and hung out with the people I knew because I knew I was in for the long haul with these guys, you know? Right. And we're only talking like 6 o'clock or something at this point, you know? So then... um so, so my friends leave, you know, because now it's that transition where everybody who's been down there for French Quarter Fest and stuff is starting to go home, you know. Most of the regular people that were down there just for that, you know. Yeah. So I go back, and those guys are in the same bar. So I get in there, and I hang out with them, and Anderson's buying beers, and he's drunk, and he keeps friggin' like, grinding up on these women. And then he goes up to one of them, and he, like, you know, gets and like hits, you know, knocks his butt against his hip against hers or some shit. And she got pissed. And, uh, young, young chicks, older chicks, like chicks probably in their twenties or thirties, you know? Okay. But, uh, well, actually let me tell you about before that earlier before that, like, I think after we left the strip club, they had some older woman, like, not even attractive older one, just some older woman, street vendor type of woman who was trying to sell, apparently she was trying to sell Mardi Gras beads, which is stupid, but she was holding two handfuls of beads 
And Anderson's walking by and he smacks her on the ass. <laughs> and the woman turns around and friggin' takes one, one batch of the beads and smacks him with it, you know? <laughs> Which I'm sure fucking hurt. <laughs> right, right. So that's, that's what kind of level he was at. And I'm like, man, we got to go the whole night with this kid. You know, <laughs> but uh, so when I meet up with those guys, it's like seven something. And, you know, he, he like knocks his hip against this girl and, and she pushes him. And I'm like, Anderson, chill out, man. These people, you know, and, and uh, I even I forget what I said to T, but he was, you know, he thought it was hilarious saying something about Anderson being such a wreck or something, you know. And uh I don't know. It, it, he's one of those people you're nervous to be around because you're afraid you're going to have to get involved with some shit, you know? Right, right. So, uh, and everybody knew it, it was the potential. And that was the point where one of the guys told me, oh, yeah, we were almost like in two fights last night. Well, this girl and her friends later on, he gets up there and one of, you know, the stage is right there, you know, and they got like railing on the stage. And they had one dance in there, and he got up and started freaking grinding on her or some shit. Well, there was a some guy with him, like meathead guy, and he took exception. He was ready to beat the shit out of Ando, and I got in between, you know. <laughs> and the other guys get in between, they're pulling him away, and I'm separating them. It's like, and this guy really wants to beat the shit out of. <laughs> These girls were pissed. It was just like. You know, it was just like typical, oh, man, come on, man. But eventually, you know, we're like, let's just get the fuck out of here. And they're like, we're not leaving here. I was like, let's get the fuck out of here because apparently this place is where they stay, where they hung out all the night before. You know, there's, I'm like, there's a million shitty bars just like this. <laughs> I don't know why you think this one's so much better. Right, know? right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we stayed. And, you know, that guy kept glaring at him. And then eventually cooler heads prevailed. And eventually Anderson, that guy, start talking and they hugged it out or something, you know? This is like 40 minutes later. Like, well after, why is this even going on still, you know? Right. And then, so so that was cool. That mellowed out. Well, um, after we left that place, you know, these, we were trying to find somewhere else and you know how it is when you got groups of people like that that get scattered. Well, turns out they're in this club, Funky 544 or whatever it was called. So, like, let's go to this club. Well, Anderson's fucking trashed, you know? I'm like, come on, man. He walks in through the, he walks into this bar that's on the corner, you know, uh, 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 caddy uh, across the street from the bar we want to go to. I'm like, Anderson, we can't go in here. You know, this isn't the place. So I'm walking behind him. I'm like, come on, man. And I'll lead him through. But he grabs a girl and kisses, kisses this random girl in there. And this guy tries to push him or something. And Anderson's ready to fight. And I grab him. I'm like, Anderson, no. I'm like, we're not getting a fight. You know? And he's, he's like, he has no right to do that. I was like, Anderson, you grabbed this girl and <laughs> kissed her. He has the absolute right to do that. <laughs> like, he thought this guy was just trying to fight him for the fuck of it. Right. <laughs> I was like, dude, you just grabbed her and kissed her, man. He was totally in the right. <laughs> he's uh, he's lucky that guy showed some reservation. What's that? Uh, he's lucky the guy showed some reservation. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also just because, you know, he was walking through and I grabbed him. like, come on, man. And I just, you know, just put the kibosh on it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people yeah. see that he's kind of a drunken idiot, you know, but you just got to get him the hell out of there. But then we ended up at this other club, and it was fine. I mean, we were all singing and dancing. I had the shirt unbuttoned. We were having a good time. And we were in there for, you know, at least an hour or two at that place. And finally, uh, those guys wanted to leave, and they went to go to another strip club. It was like 11 o'clock, 11-something. And while we were in there, a girl I knew came in there and were dancing. I told him, we got to go to this place, the gold mine. I said, I hate the quarter, but when you're down here, you got to, if I'm down here, I'm just doing a quarter night, I got to end up at the gold mine. It's this frigging terrible place. 
I've been gone since I was 18, but it's like, you know, you get the flaming Dr. Peppers and, you know, there's a dance floor and it's just like, you know, it's sloppy party central, you know? Okay. Uh, so they're like, no, we're not going there. We're going to a strip club. I was like, yeah, but there's girls we know, I know are gone there. Why don't we just go there? And they're like, no, I want to go to a strip club. Well, they, we lose them. And me and the old guy from New Orleans, we go into one club, the one we were in earlier, you know, and they're not in there. So we walk out and then he's walking down the street. Eventually we get down, way down the street. I'm like, uh, where are we gone? Or are you heading back to your hotel? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm near my hotel. I guess I'm going back. I was like, all right, dude. And I was like, he went to his hotel and I went to the gold mine and hung out and I don't know what happened to those guys. I don't know what strip club they went to, but I wasn't going to go try to find <laughs> track no, I, them down. We had texted them and they never responded. You know, I'm not going to try it. There's frigging 50 strip clubs on there. You know, I'm not going to go trying to figure out which one they went to, you know? Right. Especially when the situation is starting to get a little sticky anyway. Yes. Yes. So I had my car early in the day. I parked my car. It was at this point, I was probably like a mile away from it. It was like three something, three in the morning. I'm like, I just got to go home. So I walked all the way back to my car. I'm like, I'll be sober by the time I get there. (laughs) And I walked all the way to my car. Then I got in my car and I drove a few blocks to this uh, all night diner and ate. Because I was like, well, if I'm not completely sober, this will sober me up. (laughs) Great strategy. And the thing is. The crazy thing is, I felt more sober before I walked into that diner than when I walked out, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, and I drove home, and I'm like, maybe I should just get get on the streetcar. I'm like, but then I'll have to deal with it. And I got home, and I was like, thank God. All right. Made it home. No incident, you know? Yeah, you hate dealing with the car the next morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sucks. But, I mean... The the friggin' risk reward wasn't really that fucking good today for that shit, but thank God nothing happened. But uh But I get home and I look in the mailbox I have a uh, something in, I get in the house, four thirty in the morning, I'm miserable, and then the fucking one of those camera traffic stoplight or speed tickets that I got so pissed off about that shit. So wait, I'm hmm? at some other juncture. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, uh, not, not on your ride home. Mail. I'm like, that's what I fucking come home to. That was kind of a, a friggin' bummer at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> I thought the system was so efficient that you um, had run a light or gotten a speed trap on your way home, and the ticket was there waiting for you before you got there. Uh, no, if there's somebody that if there's a place that would do it that efficiently. New Orleans would be the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) But it was technically in Gretna, which is Jefferson Parish on the West Bank. I didn't know when it was. It was when I was down there with my buddy last week to go to court with him. I was going 27 in a school zone. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Isn't, um, Isn't a speeding ticket, doesn't that require a testimony? From the, yeah, um, see, from the gun operator? Like these aren't non-moving violations. Oh, uh, it's a fundraiser. Get these camera tickets are such fucking horseshit. You know? They yeah. really are. This is the first time I ever got one. And I think I might fight it just because it pisses me off. Yeah, New Jersey just um, um, just rescinded the law uh, of all, rev- um, involving... Uh, camera tickets. They were red light tickets. They yeah. weren't. Uh, they weren't speed. They were red well, lights. They got red light and and speed cameras. You know, they fucking suck. See, and most you see, Gretna is part of Jefferson Parish, but it's its own city, so they're doing it to raise revenue. But Jefferson Parish itself, like unincorporated areas like Metairie, where where I grew up, mm-hmm. which, I, which is a really big area. You know, there's 150,000 people there. They Jefferson Parish. Got them installed years ago, and then everybody got all pissed off, and they rescinded them. You know, but Gretna's a city, so they can do it. Right. You know, but if you're, like, out in Metairie, you don't have to worry about it. New Orleans, you got to worry about it. But I know where they all are in New Orleans. 
I didn't know this one that I got even had one, you know? I don't even recall thinking about it as I went through it, you know? I got uh, two chicken shit tickets recently. I had to go to an event uh, in the city a couple weeks ago. It's uh, Maybe I even have the date. Uh, probably end of February. Um beginning of March, so maybe yeah. a month ago. And um, I had to do it for work. I was covering um, for the guy that does all the ALS stuff. And he's picked up a couple new clients. So he's kind of uh, spread a little thin. He's like, hey, can you go and just check this event out? Make yourself known. you know?" So they kind of think that you know we were represented. And it was in uh, Madison Square Garden. Okay. There's a, an office building attached to Madison Square Garden, but essentially that's the area. Yeah. And um, I was pissed because I hate going into the city. It's just, it, it, it traffic sucks. Yeah. Tunnel sucks. I hate the city. I hate people from the city. Like everything was against me. Um, so I come into town. I ride right through the tunnel. The tunnel brings you right next to Madison Square Garden on 34th Street. And um, it takes up like two or three blocks. Well, I make a, uh, I'm sitting at a traffic light. I watch this car um, make a right on green. And I follow the car. And there's a cop standing at the other corner. He steps out in the middle of the road. He says, uh, license registration. I go, okay. Uh, he's like, pull over around the corner. I wait a few minutes. And he comes back and he says... Uh, there's no right on red from 7 a.m. to... I'm, I'm sorry. There's no right on the 7th Ave between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. What? And I was like... I was just dumbfounded. And before I could even say, why didn't you stop the guy ahead of me? He goes, you were following the guy in front of you, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, that, uh, that was an, <clears throat> that's an undercover cop. Wait, they have... Fucking New York City's complete bullshit then. Tell me about it. I mean, there's such a bunch of fucking finks up there just sitting there ripping you off, you know, over Gave bullshit. The that ticket. they're baiting you by having undercover cops make illegal turns just so you will follow them. That's fucking horse shit. $138 ticket. Yeah. Well, you know, this fucking camera ticket, $120 fucking dollars. How fucking ridiculous is that? I, I just, I wish, I wish I had the guts or, or... Not even the guts, but the intestinal um, fortitude. Yeah, to you know, to be a dick. Yeah, I know. You know, but what good comes of it? You know, like I've cops in my family. My grandfather's, my uncles are all cops. I was raised to respect cops, and in general, I do. You yeah. know, in general, I think that they're you know, even when they pull me over, I'm like, ah, they're just doing their job. But in that particular instance, that's just chicken shit. Yeah, that's chicken shit bullshit. Unbelievable. I mean, so. And you know what? That's what's bullshit about New York City. For all their liberal bullshit up there, you know, all this, like that fucking asshole that they have as mayor and stuff, he still wants to give out tickets for people like barbecuing on their sidewalk and busting people for uh, selling untaxed cigarettes, which leads to a lot of these negative interactions between police and fucking regular citizens. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like, that's like every time you, every time you keep making it more, giving more and more reasons that people can be fucked with by the police, it's more likely that bad shit's going to happen. You know? No doubt. And that's fucking bullshit what happened to you because it could have been an asshole behind the wheel that gets into it with a cop over something like that because that is fucking bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Oh, we're going to bait you, you know? Oh, this is what we do. We just have a guy go, and then you follow him, you know, having no clue. Is it clearly marked that you can't take a right there? I mean, knowing the area, I know there's a sign there. Yeah. But it's not a sign you're looking for if you're not local. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's eight feet in the air. Of it's course. not where the traffic light is. So it's not hanging from the traffic light. Yeah, like it's just there to screw with you. Right. If it was hanging from the traffic light, well, then, okay, it's fair notice. Yeah. But, ah, uh, just frustrating. That's annoying. Yeah. Hard-earned money to the city of New York. Yep. Yep. 
Oh man, I got another ticket. I haven't I haven't had a ticket in I don't know maybe ten years. I went to go for a run uh, on the boardwalk in Seaside a couple days ago, and Wait, my this is gonna lead to a ticket story. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, it's a parking ticket, but. Nonetheless, I think parking tickets are more egregious than... Yeah, they are, especially when there's nowhere to park. And they just... They they intentionally make it very difficult to park so that they can give out the tickets. This was even worse. Yeah. This was... There was everywhere to park. It's... Uh, it's Seaside. Um, uh, yeah, Seaside. So it's Seaside in the off-season. Now, they start to count their off-season at April. But, like, it's a Tuesday afternoon, and I'm going for a run on the boardwalk. And I had every intention to pay the meter. I always pay the meter. But they had the old school only takes a quarter parking meter. (laughs) How can you enforce that? Yeah, well, that's what pisses me off about around here. Like, half the meters are the ones that take cards, and then they got the ones that just take coins. And it's like... What the fuck? You either got to go all in or don't do it at all. You know? Exactly. At least Asbury Park's got a really bad rap for um, um, for the parking situation. Because the town is only a one mile by one mile strip. But half of that is, is, um, are, is the bad part of town. The housing projects is... Yeah. Um, um, is the non-shopping district. So within the shopping district, you have literally a half a mile by a mile strip. And there's nowhere to park. But they want to encourage people to come down. There's no parking garages. There's no lots. There's no nothing. They want to encourage people to come into the city and shop. But then they kill them on the parking meters. All year round. It would be one thing if it was in the summertime. I could understand that. You know, you want to get some revenue. You're, you know, you're a short town. Um, Get it where you can. I totally understand. But one, don't do it in the off season. And two, you're a struggling town that nobody wants to come to anyway. Yeah. Don't give them a reason to turn away. Don't give them a reason to say, no, no, no. Let's go to the town next door that doesn't charge for parking. And there's no crime. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I understand you want to build revenue-generating streams wherever possible, but, like, the whole parking thing is just such bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and another thing that's bullshit about it is, you know, the most time you can put on a meter is two hours. Right. (laughs) And there's so many times in your life where you're going to be parking, where you're going to be longer than two hours you know it's such bullshit and now the way these um there's a price to be paid for the convenience of you know of the card reader uh, it's that they know what spots are expired yeah so they can just sit in a command center or sit in a patrol car get a list of expired spots and drive right to the spot and ticket the car that's in there regardless of whether you well here's the other bullshit about the car about the system like here they got where you put the card reader in and you get a receipt you know the other the other bullshit about that is if you if you put in for like an hour and you're only there for a half hour the next person that comes and takes that spot needs to pay Right. As opposed to when they had the meters, if you showed up and there was a half hour left on the meter, you had a half hour free parking. That was like finding a $5 bill in your pants that came out of the laundry. Yes. You know, there's no better feeling. Yep. And they, and that's part of it, obviously. They're like, this is the way we can make more money, by making people overpay, basically. Yeah. But the, the quality of service doesn't go up. No. You know? The streets aren't nicer. Nope. You know, they're not cleaner. Traffic flow isn't better. There's not more, you know, uniform patrols, uh, you know, kind of keeping order. Like It's just, okay, pay more. Yeah. But for what? Yep, and they keep extending it. Like, 
I remember a few years ago, five years ago, it used to be, you know, six o'clock every day, the meters were done Monday through Friday. And then they decided they were going to extend them to Saturdays, you know, in prime areas, basically just to fuck over people that have gone shopping and stuff, you know, to make more money off of them. Which I don't understand. Why would you want to create that situation in a shopping district, you know? Yeah, but that's what they do. In the shopping districts, you got to pay through on Saturdays. It's such bullshit, you know? It's like, because the real reason of the meters, I believe, was for work weeks, you know? Like, right. to keep the, the parking turning over, you know? And then they're going to do it on a weekend. Because, hell, people like coming down here now, so let's fuck them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't work hard enough to get the people there in the first place. It, it's some type of... Uh, ancillary benefit that they're riding the hard work of the shop owner or the local business owner or the you know or the bartender who's kind of cultivating the loyalty and cultivating the business the city did nothing to 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 create that goodwill you know but they're going to step in and you know they're going to uh they're going to milk it for all it's worth yeah fucking government yep they suck man they suck. They're just there to exact their pound of flesh out of you. They do nothing for you. Hey, speaking of government, and fuck yes. the government, um, I was in D.C. last weekend. Oh, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Are you visiting <laughs> no, no, your no. sister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was very liberating because um, went, um, <clears throat> so my favorite um, uh, president, uh, which is Thomas Jefferson. Okay. I think Thomas Jefferson is really, I mean, I think it's just hard to say he's underrated. I guess it's like saying, you know, Lou Gehrig is underrated. He's, he's a good president favorite. Generally considered, you know, obviously a founding father, but generally considered one of the brightest men, um, you know, to put the whole thing together. But um, I think his monument and, and his legacy in that, in that area gets a little underrated because his monument's a little off the beaten path and it's not, you know, okay. it's not on the reflecting pool. And it's I know not very little big. about DC. Um, right. Uh, there's a river that, uh, that kind of cuts new, um, Northern Virginia from DC. And then basically when you get over the bridge, um, you've got like a, a fertile crescent of, of um, monument activity. Yeah. There is the Jefferson, there's the Lincoln, there's the Washington, Arlington National Cemetery uh, is in that general vicinity. And if you keep uh, heading on, I guess, yeah, I guess that's west. If you keep heading west, you, or east, if you keep heading east, you'll eventually get to like the National Mall or all the Smithsonian, um, uh, museums are and then the capitol building um is there and that's generally considered um a monument triangle so there's the three areas the capital okay. the yeah. the the reflecting pool and then the arlington national cemetery and and that's mostly if you're going to go visit dc that's kind of where you hit so um we went to visit my sister a couple reasons um behind the trip one it was easter and um she was down there and had no plans, so um, that made for a good visit. Two, it was also the uh, Cherry Blossom Festival. Okay. Which is really big. I've seen uh, people po- people I know from D.C. posting pictures of the cherry blossoms in bloom. Yeah, it's really a beautiful, yes. uh, beautiful thing. Um, the problem is it's so fickle. And they only bloom under certain conditions, and... They don't stay in bloom very long, so they have this, you know, couple week long festival, and and that's kind of the ideal target to when they're going to bloom. And know, a bunch of years ago, two thousand six, so it's coming up on ten years. Um, uh, my grandmother had gotten sick, and and before um, she'd passed, the uh, my brother and my sister, and I don't know, maybe my parents went. I was in Curacao at the time. Um, she kind of one of her bucket list items was to go see uh, the FDR memorial. Okay. 
and they had just opened it, and she was a huge New Deal Democrat. Um, she grew up um, like on the tail end of the Depression, and, and you know had really strong allegiances to to FDR, and wanted to go see that. So my family kind of took her down, and she was kind of like in her glory. Just so happened that it was also the Cherry Blossom Festival. She was like, "Wow, I can't believe I didn't see this my entire life." You know, I lived eighty five years or whatever it was. Yeah, and uh, you know. I, I wish I could have seen it more. So kind of as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not an homage, but a, uh, um, not a dedication. Uh, in, in honorance. Is that, is that a word? In honorance? Uh, honorance. In memoriam. In memoriam, in memoriam, yes, in memoriam. We, we take a, uh, a trip down uh, every year around the Cherry Blossom Festival and, and head down. Um, and it's not a huge Deal. Like, there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding it. As you know, I enjoy the pomp and circumstance. So I'd like to see a little more, <laughs> you know, pomp into it. You know, yes. maybe I'd like to see maybe a dinner and a toast that, I, that you know, maybe I could give the first one, you know. And listen, you, we can rotate it around, but whatever. Um, but that's not necessarily what the, um, you know, the rest of my family uh, gravitates towards. I, I must be adopted or something. But, um, this year, it was just my parents went down maybe on a Thursday or a Friday. I went down after work on Friday evening, and it was my sister and her husband. So it was a nice, quaint um, affair. We went out to uh, like a pizza dinner on Friday night. And Saturday, my sister was like, hey, listen, I'm going to run in to D.C. and meet mom and dad. They're going to, you know, they're going to go to the monuments, and I'm going to meet them. Yeah. And she's also training for the half marathon that I'm. I'm attempting to run and uh, needless to say, she's doing a lot better than I am. But <laughs> I went to bed Friday night and I was like, listen, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for that. Um, I'm going to have to be up for it if I'm going to run this thing. But like I'm running into some issues. Got some injuries. I'm fighting. Through. Yeah. So I woke up and I was like, fuck it, man. <laughs> Come on. Just mm-hmm. do it. So I ran from, um, from her apartment in, um, call it the Arlington area, uh, which is the town right outside of D.C. Right That's outside where of you lived back yeah, in the day, right? Totally. Yeah. She lives in, a, in the south part, but yeah, that same general You vicinity. lived there with Laughlin? Yeah, Laughlin. Jay right. Bailey was a, a roommate oh, okay. uh, for a while. Uh, a couple other char- characters uh, made their way through the um, Ivy Street abode, but it was a good time. I loved it down there. Yeah. And um, so I ended up running Saturday morning from her house to the uh, Jefferson Memorial, which is seven miles. It was the it was the longest run that I had done to date to that point. Um, and I was psyched. I struggled with it a little bit. Um, had to take a break for a few minutes to you know kind of stretch out. I was cramping a little bit, um, but got you know ran over the bridge. Windy as fuck. I didn't think I was gonna make it, but. Just kind of put my head down. You could see the monument by that point. Plowed on through. Ran up the steps Rocky style. <laughs> you know, I got to the top. Old Tom looking down on me. And then, you know, I looked around and nobody cared because they didn't know who I was. Yeah. You know, there were a bunch of tourists from the Midwest taking pictures of Thomas Jefferson. And I was like, high five. Come on. Seven <laughs> miles. Seven miles. 13 minute miles. Let's go. Bring it. I'll do another. So um, after that, you know, my sister had gone on. She maybe had did, you know, another mile and a half or something. And we kind of met up with my parents and, you know, enjoyed the enjoyed the day. Took a few snapshots uh, of the monuments and um, enjoyed what was supposed to be the Cherry Blossom Festival. But it was it had been so cold down there for uh, for the spring that they didn't blossom. No, really? Yeah, so every once in a while there would be a tree for whatever reason. Maybe it was it was a young tree. Maybe it was an old tree. Maybe it had the perfect amount of sunlight. But it would have the cherry blossoms on it. Yeah. And you know where it was because there was about 10,000 Asian people standing around <laughs> and taking photographs. <laughs> like they were National Geographic photographers. Yeah. 
And, you know, every once in a while you'd run into one of those trees. But, um, you know, it was a little disappointing in that sense. But um, it's yeah, just a nice like area to be. Long winter this year, huh? Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So um, spent the weekend down there, had, um, you know, a good, a good run, felt Felt pretty pumped about my uh, my upcoming half marathon. Ate barbecue at one of my favorite barbecue joints. Not dinosaur barbecue by any stretch, but um, still, pound for pound uh, in D.C., uh, Old Glory. If you're ever down there, or if you're... Uh, What's the name of the place? Old Glory. Okay. It's right on Marshall Street. Um, Marshall sorry, Street. Right, right, it's M Street. Yes. It's M Street in, in Georgetown. Um which, you know, as you'd expect, is kind of the big happening hub yeah. of that area. Um, and a good, you know, good joint had basketball games on. Um, I ate a big platter of meat. I split the uh, meat for three with my brother-in-law. Gave you a piece of every single meat on the uh, on the menu. Oh, cool. A couple sides. It was uh, just shy of gluttonous. Yeah, well, that's like Jacob and I go to this barbecue joint for lunch every now and then. And one of, their, one of the things they have on the menu is all meats, all sides. <laughs> it's like $30-something and we'll always, yeah, all meats, all sides. Just give it to us. <laughs> that's great. At least sit there and just gorge ourselves. <laughs> uh, so I imagine that's what was going on with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I pulled up. You know, we left a little bit so uh, my brother-in-law, Eric, could take some stuff to lunch. Like, because there was a quarter of a chicken there, you know, like, what are we going to do? We're going to carve up a quarter of a chicken? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, let's just leave that. Um, you know, there was a little bit of brisket left, but, you know, otherwise it was delicious. I had a bunch of vodka grapefruits, which I hadn't had in a while. Oh, well, that's uh, that's awesome, then. Yeah. I'd been holding off because of... Um, because of the this uh, this race that I'm trying to run, you know, I figure let me let me try to stay as healthy as possible. Yeah. Um, but I just run seven miles, you know. Yeah. So you've earned it. I did, definitely earned it. <laughs> I um, and and felt pretty good about it, you know. Like I felt good running and and um, you know, picked up my pace at the end and like wasn't hurting at the end, uh, you know, when I was all done. So that was cool. Today. Uh, one of the reasons I was so uh, slow to get started uh, with the podcast today was because uh, I had a nine-mile run on the calendar. So I decided to go to where the race is going to take place and run part of the route so I can, like, mentally, you know, yeah. it's going to be a tough thing to do, you know? Yeah. Trying to move my body 13.1 miles. Yeah, man. That's freaking insane. Uh, I'm not built for it. Yep. But I'm, I'm plowing through. So I figured, you know what? Let me get a mental edge and head out onto the course. And then this way I'll know, hey, I've been able to do this. Whatever. If this gets tough, just kind of gut it and, and you know, kind of work through it. So I went out and I ran the, the nine miles today. It was a much lonelier run. Like, my sister yeah. blew by me, um, you know, when we ran the DC run. But she would stop periodically to, to make sure I could catch her eye or, you know, hey, yeah. make, take a ride at the next light, whatever it was. But um, even when she wasn't in sight, it was – DCs are really um, – runner biker friendly community there's bike trails and and hiking trails and running trails and like plenty of room for everybody where i went today was um like not even sidewalks you know huh. you're just kind of out there hoofing it and like i once in a while would cross paths with a runner but ah, they were dicks nobody says hi nobody gives you a thumbs up you know like good job yeah. you know clearly you're Cool, you're having some trouble there, big fella. Keep on going, you know? <laughs> Looking at you just languishing. Right, right. <laughs> um, so what my sister says is that today she ran a 10-mile race um, down in D.C., the Cherry Blossom Festival, 10-mile. 
um, which I guess is a is very festival has a run. Yeah, it's, I guess it's a pretty big race because I guess it's so beautiful. Yeah, that, like you have to get a lottery. Um, it's a lottery to enter and get a number. Oh, she took over for somebody who got hurt or had to go away or something like that. And she was like, yeah, listen, I ran a 10-mile race today, um, you know, totally blew through it. I think she ran like 9-minute and 30-second miles, uh, which is like Damn. a minute faster than her, her normal pace. And uh, she's like, it's just so... How far was the run today? Ten, was it 10 10 miles. No, 10 miles. 10 miles, yeah. okay. So three three short of what, uh, you know, the half-marathon goal was going to be. So she's basically yeah. got it, like... Now, she could get drunk between now and two weeks. So it's the furthest you've run now, 10 miles? Nine is, today was nine. Nine, today was the longest you've run? Yep. Okay. And, uh, and today you were running part of the course? Yeah. Yeah, so next week I have uh, to run 10 miles. That's kind of what, you, like, when you train, you don't train the whole thing. You train 60% of it, and then they say, whatever, the last you know, three miles is kind of like adrenaline or runner's high or whatever. Yeah, it'll get you there. Yeah, same thing. So when you run for it, when you train for a marathon, I'm pretty sure you only train 20 miles. Um, so I did it like from a cardiovascular standpoint, it's not, not horrible. Like I don't cramp and I don't wheeze and, you know, from a mental standpoint, it's, there's no point where I'm like, I can't do this. I have to quit. Like no problem. But uh, everything else doesn't cooperate. Like, you know, my Achilles and my feet and my ankles. And they're just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what about your nipples? <laughs> I'm okay with the nipples for the most part. Um, okay. Because I always hear that the nipples chafe really hard when you're running long distance. I've had that happen, but um, so far so good. I guess the weather has been um, in that right zone. I guess if it's too cold or if it's too hot. I think those are probably the two areas where you run into uh, tweaky nipples. But um, I, I, I know what that feels like. It's happened, you know, to, to some extent. But I don't think I'm going to suffer from it. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's running and has, you know, blood dripping down from, from their T-shirt, yeah. you know. <laughs> hey, you're supposed to put Vaseline on them, right? Yeah. Some... Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, which I'm apt to do anyway. You know, yeah. Well, on nipples never hurt anybody, but um, I have not had to do that for uh, for the run. But I'm I'm registered. I paid the entrance fee. I bought the parking pass, which is a what a rip off. You have to pay to park for the race. <laughs> yeah, participants pay to park. Damn. So how much they charge you? To it's park? only five bucks, but still, like, still, come on. it's a rip off. Totally. Where's this race at? It's in. Um, it starts at Monmouth Park, the uh, okay. the racetrack, and then it runs through Long Branch, West Long Branch, Oceanport, like a bunch of the shore towns. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just a big shore run, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's run in conjunction with the New Jersey Marathon, which is like a big sanctioned marathon. Like, um, if you're part of it. The- oh wait, the New Jersey Marathon goes on at the same time. Uh, I don't know if if. They start at the same time, uh, and they, they just run a different part of the track. And should run this race um, a, a while ago, probably five or six years ago. And the way it worked was it was a loop. So you started at the beach, and you looped through those towns, and you finished at the beach. And the marathon did two loops, which is okay. kind of... I'm not a marathon runner, but you kind of want to go in a straight line. You don't necessarily with a a marathon. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to start and finish in different areas. So like Boston runs from like Chestnut Hill, 26 miles into Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York does the same thing. Starts in Staten Island and runs. You know. Yeah, Boston Marathon was it Hopkinton or whatever where the official. Yep. Starting liners, yeah, yeah. You you you're running that far. You don't want to be seeing the same shit over again. Exactly. So <sighs> they changed the course. Something mentally. They changed the course um, to stop that loop, and now the the marathoners and half marathoners run the same 
first half of the course, then the half marathoners are done. Then the marathoners continue on down to Asbury, Ocean Grove, which is probably another five or six miles, and then they double back. Okay. So they do have a little bit of a, you know, kind of repeat course, but beats having to do that, you know, two loops over and over again. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's terrible. So I'm not sure how the how they start. You know, whether they send off the half marathoners first, uh, or they send off the marathoners first, and you know, because yeah. the the good marathoners are gonna finish in about the same amount of time it takes me to run the half marathon. Yeah, they're gonna finish like two hours and something. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, you want that guy to be crossing the finish line first. You know, the guy who runs the marathon. He's like the grand champion. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I think the gun goes off at like seven thirty in the morning, for for my race. So when is it? Next two week? two weeks. The twenty ninth of the twenty fifth of April. We'll be charting this. Yes. So uh, this week I got a couple runs. I got to run, um, uh, about twenty miles this week. I got to do two right. two runs of about five miles, and then. Um, and then a big 10-mile run. Once I do the 10-mile run, that's pretty much it. There's a couple small runs the week of the race, but you're supposed to really rest up. But okay. I, um, I've put myself onto a treatment regimen, and I have one of those uh, TENS machines, you know, like one of those yeah. STEM machines. So every day I go through what's approximately a two-hour regimen. <laughs> Oh, uh, to uh, to work my feet problems, which are pretty yeah. pretty significant. So your feet terribly sore and all that. Yeah, yeah. They um, th- it's um, like it's tendon problems. So okay. like it gets really stiff. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, there's really rest is the only way to cure it. So, I, it's either run or don't run. You know, there's not, like, an improvement that could be had. So I've been just trying to alleviate as much of the of the, um, of the pain as possible. A lot of stretching, um, ice, heat, you know, stim machine. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, if I'm at my desk, okay, let me just pop the stim machine on the bottom of my feet and, you know, kind of work out my my arches and then let me throw it on my calves to you know work on my achilles (laughs) (laughs) i need a staff you know i need like a training staff. yeah rub you down yeah so um today was rough today was rough but that was the longest i've ever moved myself you know whether yeah yeah that's a long way or you know i even want to say biking i don't i can't imagine that there's too many times I've biked 10 miles. Yeah, it's a long way to bike. Yeah. So, um, but it's good. It's one of those things like, you know, you don't have to wait very long to appreciate that you did something positive. You know, like you yeah. get it during the, during the exercise, during the, you know, the event. Like, you're like, all right, I'm doing this. There's no, like, I wish I was dead. <laughs> yeah. I remember I took up uh, wrestling as a seventh grader. I don't know why. <laughs> I was in my in between my my basketball and and shot putting uh, careers, I guess. So um, we had a really good wrestling program in my town, like state champions, national champions, the whole deal. Um, so even at the middle school level, it was a very competitive program, and it was the worst season. I'd ever had in any of the sports that I'd ever played. Like you were just miserable. Oh my god, it was just so physically grueling, and like yeah, wrestling's intense. Yeah, and they they didn't take any pity on us because you know we were twelve or thirteen year olds. Like yeah, I remember my high school had a big wrestling program, and when I was there, they were like the, you know, they had this little Korean guy that was the coach and the Korean immigrant. You know, they were like dominant back then. You know, they were a dynasty. Right. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll try wrestling. And I just finished football in eighth grade. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go join wrestling. And it was known for being super intense like that. I remember 
I went to the wrestling room, you know, which was like a big old cage, basically. Yeah. And I looked in there, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to wrestle. <laughs> uh, so you... I just turned around and walked out. I was like, no way. I was like, I just got done with football, and I fucking hated that because all I did was practice and never play. I'm like, I am not going to be fucking wrestling. See, as a 13-year-old, you had a good enough sense to measure your opportunity versus sunk cost. And yeah. say, you know what? This isn't gonna pay the dividend. So let me uh, let me just cut my losses right now. <laughs> well, you know, you know, there's a lot of people, and I mean, I know you've known people like this in your life because everyone does. Like, especially like in high school, people that aren't good at shit but just want to be in clubs and teams and stuff. Yeah. Like, I had a friend like that in high school. And, like, I I played football for two years and quit because practicing to not play especially practicing at a position that you fucking hate to not play a position <laughs> it really sucks but this guy i knew he played for five years or whatever you know i guess he was from eighth grade onward but he not like it wasn't until there was like a blowout his senior year for him to get on the field right you know he wasn't any good but he's one of these people that loves to be a member of clubs or teams you know yeah. and i'm like Sorry, being being able to say I'm on this team isn't worth me wasting my time getting my ass kicked that I can stand around for three hours every Friday night. You know? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I um, that's a skill or a, an appreciation that I think that I maybe am just starting to develop. You know, like it's yeah. not worth my time, or the you know the dividend isn't. A big enough payoff at the end so yeah you know, just let me hang this up i played the saxophone from like fourth grade until senior high school hated it every fucking minute <laughs> you know and like maybe i could have been investing my time doing something else but i didn't want to quit yeah. You know, because I'm like, all right, well, this is going to pay off at some point. I don't know. And I did get uh, I did get an award. You know how I feel about awards. Um, yes. I was recognized as, yeah, it was essentially the sportsmanship award for the concert band. <laughs> yeah, basically just being there, not being proficient. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, I mean, I guess at the end of the day that was worth it. I don't know why the teacher, you know, the teacher liked me. Um, I guess because I wasn't a prototypical band nerd. And like yeah. when I was in middle school, um, Jackson also is known for their uh, their band, their arts program. So like there are tons of band nerds. But I, I just could have cared less. But she uh, picked me to conduct the eighth grade band. I think we've talked about this. I, I yeah, think we've talked yeah, about yeah, my exploits. So as the conductor of the eighth grade band. Um, I don't know why. I, I wasn't a particularly mm-hmm. proficient musician, um, but maybe she liked my attitude, and, and and that kind of reinforced it. You know, I'm like, oh, I like to be, <laughs> I like to be praised, yeah. so let me keep on, you know? And then the same thing in, in high school. Like, I was like, well, I'm, I'm in this deep. I can't quit. You know, there was no such thing as, as, as understanding sunk costs or opportunity costs. Yeah, yeah. So I just kept at it and kept at it. And then they gave me a little trophy at the end. And I was like, oh, then it was worth it. It was all worth it. But none of it was worth it. It wasn't worth a single <laughs> minute of it. It was miserable. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I owe my parents the $700 that they invested for my first saxophone way back when I was, like, <laughs> you know, in fourth grade. But... What are you going to do, you know? Yeah. So it's on my resume. Yeah. I make sure. Well, I, I, at least it's on your resume. Yeah, I make sure it's on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Right. Good times. All right, man. You got anything else? Times. I don't have anything, man. How are your new shoes? Everything working out? Yeah, everything's working out with the shoes. Right. Like At least some uh, at some point I'd like to see a picture of them. Well, I had two pairs of shoes, but, you know. Everything's working out with them. Right, well, you know, I'll take, I have another pair of shoes in the shop, though, right now. Take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'm going to own a pair of shoes that I have to bring to the shop, but right now they don't fix rubber soles. So, <laughs> well, years ago I bought this pair from 
I think they were like a two hundred something dollar pair, and they were on clearance from Banana Republic for like ninety bucks, and I bought them because I know a good deal when I see one. Sure. And now uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the shoes, and I got out of my car, and the fucking rubber part of the heel fell off. Okay. You know. Yep. And it, it's a leather sole and all that. So I brought it. I was like, oh, they're good enough shoes, you know. And they're like woman's like you know it's gonna be like 55 dollars. i was like yeah but it would cost me a lot more to get equivalent shoes right right if i could even find a similar pair yeah. at this point because they're kind of you know they're unusual shoes you know right. so i was like go ahead you know so yeah worth the investment yeah definitely that's a good thing about a good pair of shoes you know isn't that can, there's some type of saying you know there's a couple things you should own and one of them's a good pair of shoes something like that yeah i guess sounds so. about right yeah, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> well, then on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, with apologies to Girk's brother. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, good night, Fredo. Right